0: The Torah writes that when one wants to divorce his wife, he will write for her a scroll of cutting off, severing their connection, and place it in her hand. And we learn from there that when one gives over the get to his wife, which is the action which makes the divorce take effect, he needs to do it for the sake of the divorce. He needs to be clear that he is doing an action in order to divorce his wife. And because of that, if Omar oh life he said to his wife, "Kinsi bring this loan document into the house. Shtar is a regular document which says that somebody owes someone else money, meaning he's giving over the get in such a manner that she will think that it's a regular document and not realize that it's a get. Or if she finds it, she finds the get on his back, meaning he places the get on his back, and turns his back towards her so that he, she sees that there's a document on his back and then she takes it from his back so she's the one taking it he's not giving her the document rather she is taking the get for herself and then she takes it and reads it and it emerges to be her get but the time that she received it she didn't realize this get, not a valid unless he says to her here is your get and the truth is, he's able to do this after what he's done until now. It could be that he told her it's a regular starchayv, so the giving over of the get was not valid. But as long as she's still holding the get and it's still in her possession, if he then tells her that this is your get, then that would be a good enough, and it would be a valid divorce. Next case, not something other v'hi if he, is he places it in her hands whilst she is sleeping. and then she wakes up. K'leira b'ariu geta. She reads it and she, it emerges that it's her get. Ain't a get, it's not a valid get at this moment because the giving over of the get was not done for the sake of divorce. It's not considered that you gave it over to the woman. She was fast asleep. Unless you say to her that this is your get and you don't have to take it back and give it back to her, if she's still holding it, then it's enough just to tell her that this is her get. There's no point in taking it back and giving it back to her. If that would work, then it works for her just to keep it and you, t- you to tell her that it's her get. All right, next case. So <laughs> <laughs> if she was standing in a public domain, or in any domain which doesn't belong to one of them, and he throws her get towards her, but it doesn't actually reach her herself, and we're going to understand that we're talking about a case where it is near to her, meaning it's within four Amos of the woman. And one of the ways to acquire something is if it's within four Amos, it's very close to you, and you intend to acquire that item. So if it was within four amus of the woman, with she's considered to be divorced. Although in general, this is not a valid way of acquiring something. In this case, the Rabbonne permitted it in order not to make her be in a situation where, because she's not divorced, she's prevented from marrying anybody else. So to avoid such a situation, the Rabbonne were lenient, and they do allow her to acquire the get in this situation, and she would be divorced. What happens if the get is near to him? After he threw it, it is near to him, such that he is able to look over it and guard the get, but she's not able to, in such a case. She's not considered to be divorced. It's not considered to be that he has given over the get to the woman. If it's half-half, that doesn't mean it was literally halfway between both of them, but it means it's close enough to both of them that they are both able to guard the get, Or perhaps it's too far away from both of them. Neither of them have more control or ability to look over the get. In that case, Magaresse ve she is in a state of a doubtful divorce. So she would need to receive another get from her husband before marrying anybody else. Mr Gimel, although this was a leniency for a woman to be divorced even if it's within just four Amos, The mission tells us that all of the laws which we just described, if it's nearer to him, or to her, or halfway between them, that also applies to Hainin and Kedushin, similarly regarding Kedushin. Kedushin is the first stage of marriage, where the woman becomes acquired to a particular man and forbidden to marry anybody else. And the most common way of doing Kedushin is to give the woman a particular item or money, So if he throws that to the woman, then the same halachas would apply as did in the previous Mishnah. And although there were leniencies involved in the previous Mishnah specifically for a woman being divorced, in the Pasukim, being divorced and performing Kedushin are compared to one another, and therefore all of the laws which apply to divorcing also apply to getting married. But now the Mishnah adds, the same also applies regarding a regular debt If somebody is returning the money to the person who he owes the money to, and the person who is owed money, let's say the lender of the money, tells the borrower, throw me my debt, that which you owe me, and he threw the money to him, if it's nearest and it's within four amas of the lender, and he's able to watch over it, then the borrower has gained, meaning it's considered to be that he has returned the debt, and if something happens to that money now, then he's not to be blamed, it's considered that he returned the debt already, but if it's nearer and within the control only of the borrower still, then the borrower is still liable, and it's not considered to be that he has returned the debt. And although the fact that if it's nearer to the lender in this first case is considered that he has returned the debt... Even though we said that regarding divorce, it's only a leniency said specifically regarding divorcing. So the woman is not left not being able to remarry. So why should it apply here as well? The answer is the Gemara explains that we are talking about a case where the lender told him to return him the debt in a manner that if it was a divorce, it would be valid. And that's why it would have the same laws as in a case where somebody is divorcing his wife. All right, continues the Mishnah. If it's mechzal nechzal, it's half-half, meaning it's within the control of both of them or it's not in the control of e- either of them. Then, they both split it, meaning if something happens to that money now, do we consider that he has returned the money or not? The answer is half-half. We consider that he has returned half of the money since it is in this middle area. So he would owe him the other half all right, now the Mishnah goes back to discuss a divorce. If the woman was standing on top of a roof and the roof belonged to her, it was her own property, and her husband threw her, threw her get? he was standing below and he threw it upwards so that it would land on the roof. Says the Mishnah, even before it lands on the floor of the roof, as soon as it reaches the airspace of the roof, she is considered to be divorced and we're either talking about a case where there is a fence going around the whole roof and therefore as soon as it is within that area it's considered to be in her domain already such that the divorce has taken effect or we're talking about a case where the get reaches within three of the ground of the roof the roof floor in that case there is a law known as Lovud Lovud is a halacha l'meshi Sinai it's a law which we have going back as a tradition to Moshe Rabbeinu from our Sinai, that anything which is within three tufachim of something else is considered to be connected to it as already. So as soon as it is within three tufachim of the floor of the roof, it's considered to be that it landed there already and therefore the divorce has already taken place. And what happens if the husband is standing at the top, on top of his roof, and she's standing below, in her own domain, but lower down than where the husband is, and the husband throws her the get downwards as soon as the get has left the domain of the roof, so now it's considered to be within the domain of the woman's property, because the walls, it's within the walls of her own property, and therefore the divorce takes effect immediately, such that even if Nimchak or Nisraf Somehow the get gets erased or burnt up, before reaching the ground, how is gracious, she is still considered to be divorced, because as soon as the get reached her domain, the divorce took effect. A man is able to free to divorce his wife using a get yoshan, which literally means an old get, which we'll explain in one moment what that is. So but hill forbid this," and ask the missioner, "The get yoshon. What is a get yoshon? An old get that refers to a situation where is where the husband was alone with his wife after he wrote the get and the witnesses signed on the get. And the reason why this hill forbid this is because we could it could lead to a situation where somebody writes a get. On a particular date and the witnesses sign it on the same day so it's valid now it, it should be noted everybody agrees that if the witnesses sign on a get on a different day to the get is written and the date is written on the get this we had a discussion of in the first perik of the Masechta and according to the Chachomim, which is the accepted opinion that is certainly invalid that's a situation where written in the get is that it was written on such and such a date And yet the completion of the writing of the get, when the get becomes a valid get in terms of the document itself, that's only once the witnesses sign on it. So they need to sign on it on the same day. We're discussing a situation where it was written and signed on the same day, but he only actually gave the get to his wife a while later. So we could come to a situation where he gave the get to his wife, let's say a couple of years later. And meanwhile, they had a child during those years and it might come to be that at a later date, maybe when this child wants to get married, people might do some research, and they'll see that the date written on the get is before the date of birth of this person. And they will suspect that the parents had this child after they were already divorced, in which case this child was born from forbidden relations. So to avoid such a situation, they Hillel forbid one to use a get yoshon. However, if one did give his wife a get yoshon, according to most, it would still be valid, but he ever once it's done and she would be able to remarry another man. Mishnah Hay, although in general the custom is to write the date on a get, calculating from the beginning of creation. The Jewish year, that's what was written on the get. However, during certain periods in history, in order to get along and not to anger the ruling monarchy or the ruling government in that place, the Rabbonon instituted that the date written in the get should be according to the reign of that particular king who was ruling that place, or that particular ruler. That was the custom of the non-Jews and so the Jews did the same thing for the sake of Sholomalthus to maintain the peace and to have a good relationship with the king and the government. And the tells us that Kosav, if he wrote the date in the get, and he did it calculating it based on the Schumal She'inohi Genes. A kingdom which isn't fitting and a simple explanation for this is referring to an empire or a government where he's not situated in at that time. The Gomorrah explains that it could be specifically referring to the Roman Empire because they don't have their own language or their own writing unlike other nations such as Bovel, but the point is if someone wrote the date according to the reign of a different monarch or a different ruler or the Modai, according to the reign of the Modai Empire, the yavon Yovon, or according to the Greek Empire, after these empires already ended. So this is certainly not going to achieve the purpose of writing the gate according to the non-Jewish ruler's reign, which is in order to increase peace and good relationships with the current empire who is ruling. So it's not going to help to write it according to a different empire, and therefore the get would be invalid. Levinia Nabayis, if the date written is according to the years that, it, that have passed since the building of the Beis HaMikdash or the Khurban Bayes, the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. Again, if the ruling nation would see that this is how we're calculating the date for the documents, it wouldn't necessarily be very positive for the relationship between them. Now, another reason to invalidate the get would be if he was herba Mizrach, if he was in the east v'chosav Amarov, and he wrote in the get that he was situated in the west Or, bamarov he was situated in the west v'chosav b'mizraḥ, and he wrote that he was situated in the east. And really, it's quite irrelevant where the person writing the get is situated. It's more important where the people who sign on the get are situated. But if they are situated in a different location to the location which is written in the get, then there would also be an invalid divorce. And in all of these cases, if the woman receives the get and she assumes that she is divorced, and then she goes and marries somebody else, and later on they realise that actually the get was invalid and she's still considered to be married to her original husband. The Mishnah now lists a number of consequences for her now having married and lived and perhaps had children with another man while she is still married to her original husband. And many of these consequences are considered to, to be a sort of punishment for the woman, for not having checked properly that her GET is valid the needs to be divorced from both husbands. That is the law for a woman who commits adultery. But she requires a get from both husbands. Her first husband needs to give her a get because they're really considered to be married. And although she's not considered to be married to the second husband, nevertheless she appears to be married to him, and therefore she would also require a get from her second husband. And now the Mishnah lists a number of rights which a woman generally has from her husband, and this woman does not have them. She is not entitled. To to a kasuba, which is a certain amount of money which a woman generally receives upon being divorced from her husband, they pay rice, the produce of her fields. A husband, one of the rights which a husband has is that he can benefit and take the produce of his wife's field. Now, the second husband wasn't actually officially married, they thought they were, but halakhically speaking, he was never married to this woman. So I would have thought that once we discover that they weren't actually married, that any of the produce which he ate from her pro- from her fields, he would have to pay for because he was never entitled to them. But the mistress says, as a punishment for this woman for not having checked properly that her get is valid, she cannot claim compensation for that produce. Vleminzona, she can't claim compensation if she borrowed money in order to support herself. In general, her husband would need to then pay that money. Let's say he went abroad, so in order to support herself, she borrowed money, her husband would be obligated to to repay that. But we do not obligate him because they were never actually married, vile property of hers which she brought into the marriage, which became totally worn out and no longer fit for use. In general, the husband needs to pay for that. However, as a punishment, she will not receive that compensation. Neither from her first husband nor from her second husband. And if she took any of these things from either of the husbands, she's obligated to return it because she has no rights and is not entitled to any of these things. As well as that, says the mission of Vlad Mamzer Mzer A child which she has from either of the two husbands is considered to be a mamzer. A mamzer is a person born out of uh, illegal relations, and certainly a child which she has from her second husband would be considered to be a mamzer. A mamzer is forbidden to marry a regular Jew. So now, a child born from the second husband is certainly a mamzer because that was a forbidden marriage. But even if after they find out, Though the original divorce was not valid, so she was never married to her second husband. Mdjabonon, she's forbidden to remarry and remain married with her first husband. Now, if she goes back and does remarry her first husband, a child which she has from there is considered to be a mamza Mdjabonon. All right, continues the list, neither of the two husbands can become Tom in order to bury her if they are a koyain A koyain is, in general, forbidden to become Tom, but for his wife, in order to bury her, he is able to become Tome. But in this case, he is not able to. He's only able to become Tom for a woman who is permitted to be married to neither of the two men gain ownership of that which she finds. In general that is one of the merits and rights of a husband, that he owns anything which she finds. Nor that which she makes or earns. He's also not able to annul her vows, which is another right of a husband. And all of these rights Are in return for what he needs to do for her, he needs to support her, and it's also in order to encourage their relationship, but in this case they're obligated to be divorced. It's a forbidden marriage, there's no reason why he should get these rights. Continues the Mishnah, if she was a Basisrael, and this actually applies to w- any woman, the point is, even if she is a Basisrael, if she becomes invalidated to marry a Kohen, since she has had illegal relations, and a Kohen is not allowed to marry a woman who has had illegal relations. Bas Levi, if she comes from a family of Leviim in a she becomes invalidated from eating miseration. Which is the tithe given to Levi'im. This is a punishment for the woman. And Baskayen, if she was a Baskayen, Minat she becomes invalidated from eating Turumah. Now, one of the stipulations written in the Kasuba document is that any property which a woman brings into the marriage and is written as part of the Kasuba, that if he divorces her, she'll take all of that property back. And according to the strict letter of the law, if she dies while still married to her husband, then her husband inherits all of these properties. And then when the husband dies, it will be split between all of his children. And even if he has multiple wives, all of his children from all of his wives will split it equally. However, jabonon in order to encourage fathers of brides to give a large dowry for the woman to bring a lot of property into the marriage, they instituted that... Even if she dies and therefore she's inherited by her husband, when her husband dies, all of that property which she brought into the marriage will only be inherited by her husband's sons which she had from this wife. And then her father at the time of marriage would be encouraged to give a lot of property because he would know that it would remain with his own grandchildren, And this is known as So the Mishnah says The inheritors of either of these two husbands will not inherit her Kasuba And this is referring to the Kasubas Benin Dichrin for they will not have this right Rather it will be split equally between all of the sons of this man Alright And what happens if before one of these two men these two husbands before they give her a get The they died. Each one of their brothers must do chalitza to this woman and not yibum, since just like she was forbidden to marry the man who died, she is also forbidden to continue that marriage by doing yibum. Yibum is when a man dies without children and his brother has a mitzvah to continue the legacy and the marriage of the man who died by marrying his wife. Now if that marriage originally was forbidden, then there's no reason to continue that marriage and that legacy. And if they shouldn't do Yippam, rather they should do Khalitza. And that is really the end of this long list of consequences and punishments when a woman ended up marrying another man while still being married to her original husband and it is due to her not taking enough care to make sure that her get was valid. And now the Mishnah adds another two cases where all of these consequences would apply as well. Shino <laughs> Shemayu if they changed his name or her name on the get, and they wrote the wrong name, or the name of his city was wrong, or the name of her city was wrong, the location written in the get was wrong, she would need to be divorced from her original husband, and from the next husband if she goes and marry somebody else, and all of the other consequences which we mentioned would apply in this case as well, because she remarried before being validly divorced from her first husband.